Good morning. Let me begin with the end of the story, and then I think there will be a smile on your face. His name was Bill Tyner. The year 1968, almost 60 years ago, the place just outside Belfast, Ireland. A gospel meeting was underway. A preacher was preaching the gospel. Bill Tyner saw a nine or ten year old little boy and after the services he could just tell that that little boy had been riveted, really interested in what the preacher was talking about. And he asked the little boy this question at the end of the service. Tell me what Jesus means to you. Tell me what Jesus means to you. Now get your songbook and turn to number 860. 860. Because when the nine or ten-year-old little boy responded, he said something in a way that just caused Bill Tyner to keep focusing and thinking about the, the preciousness, the beauty of what this nine or ten-year-old little boy had said. What does Jesus mean to you? And the little boy says, he is my everything. How about you? Just look at the words. He is my everything. He is my all. He is my everything, both great and small. He gave his life for me, made everything new. He is my everything. Now, how about you? Some folks may ask me, some folks may say, Who is this Jesus you talk about every day? He is my Savior. He set me free. Now listen while I tell you what he means to me. The idea for the song, the first verse only, is in our songbooks, came from a nine or ten year old little boy. He's my everything. Now, how about you? It's an expression that you hear nowadays with some frequency. Out of the mouths of babes. People, if you don't love young people, you're not really living like Jesus. Because Jesus loved young people, and Jesus was the one who said, Let the little children come to me. Now, I know what a lot of people say. I wish I could be young again. i got to tell you my thinking about that. Uh Uh-uh. I wouldn't mind having the energy of youth again. Amen? I wouldn't mind having the health that many of us enjoyed when we were younger now. Amen? But I don't want to be a young person again. 
the sense of dependence and the sense of independence. You know, you look at young people now, and there's that sense of dependence and, young, and, and independence too. Let's face it, young people, some of y'all look weird. And you act weird too. But come to think of it, so did all of us at some point when we were young. Amen? We tend to be too hard on young people and forget what it was like to be young ourselves. But I admire the courage and daring nature of many young people. I admire the energy that young people often show. I appreciate the optimism that they have for the future that sometimes gets lost in us as we grow older and, and we deal with this old world. I appreciate their faith in God and how simple and sincere it often is. A wise man once said, remember now, the Creator in the days of your youth, before the years draw nigh, when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. And if you listen to Shad in our scripture reading, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to them that believe in word and manner of life. In love, in faith, in purity. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. I suggest that we ought to really love young people because our Creator, our Redeemer, our Savior loves young people. That in itself should be enough. But what I want to do this morning is go through the Word of God and demonstrate to you the confidence that God has in young people. Because I know what a few of us who are older might be saying, All right, Mike, I'm with you so far. I can believe that, yes, young people can have courage and be daring. I can believe in their enthusiasm and their faith, their energy but they're not very old, and sometimes they don't behave as they ought. Let's look at Scripture and demonstrate something of the confidence that God had in young people, because I think that when we're prone to say that, we might need to go back to Scripture. And we also might need to make an extra effort to go the second mile in encouraging young people in our Lord. Everybody with me? Let's demonstrate God's confidence in young people. Open your Bibles to Genesis, the 37th chapter. The first example of a young person in whom God shows great confidence has 
that I'd like for us to consider is, is Joseph. When you look at the account of the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis, it is every bit as long as that of Abraham. Genesis 37 through 50 is all about the life of Joseph. Genesis 12 through about 25, the life of Abraham. When you look at Genesis chapter 37, notice verse 2. We read of Joseph and the role that he would have in things to come. At this point in his life, he is how old? Seventeen. He's a teenager. He's a teenager at a time when he's about to be mistreated by his own brothers, lied about to the father, and taken into Egypt. About 17. Go over a couple of chapters. Go to Genesis 39. He finds himself working as a servant in the house of a man by the name of Potiphar. And Genesis 39 begins and ends with how much God would be blessing Joseph and the house of Potiphar on behalf of Joseph. But look at Genesis 39 and verse 9. He's obviously still a young man. Mrs. Potiphar starts making advances of an inappropriate type. And what Joseph says is classic. How can I do this wicked thing and sin against my God? To continue reading, you know, Joseph's going to end up in prison. But by the time the book of Genesis draws to a close, Joseph is one of the world leaders and one of the heads of the nation of Egypt. It all began when he was young. Don't lose sight of that. Here's what I want you to stop and think about. And maybe you never let it hit you this way. God in His providence trusted the future of the Jewish nation and ultimately the Messiah Himself to a 17-year-old initially in His big plan. Because, see, Israel would become a great nation afterward, wouldn't it? 
Likely not have happened were it not for for Joseph providing for his family. You meant what you did to me, he said to his brothers, for evil, but God meant it for good, Genesis 50 and verse 20. And he provides for his family during a time of famine. What an example to think about. You can follow right along with our study this morning in your Bible. So please do if you can. You will. Turn to Exodus chapter 1, and here is another wonderful example of a young person who God has tremendous confidence in, it would seem. What is interesting is this. In Exodus chapter 2, Exodus chapter 2, in verses 1 through 10, we read of the birth of of Moses, and we read about what his parents, Amram and Jochebed, did concerning him. The story is pretty familiar to many of us. Placed in a basket in the river, but twice in Exodus 2, verses 1 through 10, notice verse 4 and notice verse 8, somebody is mentioned, but not even mentioned by name. Her name is Miriam, we learn from other passages. And she is perhaps 10 to 12 years older than baby Moses at this time. That'd be likely, wouldn't you think? Older sister, after all. Older sister is off, according to verse 4, at a distance. And verse 8 would say that whenever Pharaoh's daughter finds baby Moses, it is Moses' sister that says, I know of a lady who can take care of this child for you. And guess who it just happens to be? Now stop and think about that. Because you can see the marvelous workings of God and how He is using not simply one child, baby Moses, who will eventually be the deliverer and the lawgiver to Israel, but He's using Miriam in His providence so that things work out according to His overall plan. And the thing that's so fascinating about that is, Adam, you'd have never thunk it. I'd have never thought it. None of us would have thought that when we first read the passage. But as we think about the Bible in its entirety, we can see God's providence with perfectly good, clear vision after the fact, can't we? But it's not all that easy for us to see right when it's unfolding. God put confidence in the behavior of a young sister, a young girl named Miriam. Open your Bibles to a third example. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel 17. One of the best known stories of the Old Testament. David and the giant, David and the dwarf, Goliath. 
When you look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, notice this twice. Look at 1 Samuel 17.33. King Saul says that David is what concerning his age? You see it? He is a youth. Go down to 1 Samuel 17 and look at verse 42. Goliath looked down upon the youth, David, and disdained him. It is fascinating to think that David may well have been a teenager or at most in his early 20s when he faced Goliath. And so I want you to know it's not just an act of bravado. It's not just something uh, that, that I think I can and I, I, I'll accept the dare. The whole thing with David is this. The honor of God is at stake. And this man is mocking our God and taunting us and our God. And will not anyone come to the forefront to fight him? And I know that God was with me as a shepherd when a bear came and when a lion came. And surely he would be with me in fighting this giant. I'll tell you what the grown-ups were doing. The grown-ups were all having meeting and they were wringing their hands and saying, what in the world are we going to do? Here is a youth that has confidence in God and God blesses his trust in him and his concern for God's name. Open your Bibles to 2 Kings now. 2 Kings chapter 23. The example I'm going to give you now is that of a king by the name of Josiah. Josiah became king of God's people when he was eight years old. Old. Talk about an awful lot of responsibility being thrust upon somebody when they're really young. Obviously, he would have help and advisors and counselors that would really help him at so young of an age. But one of the things I want you to see is as you read 2 Kings chapter 23, work your way toward the end of the chapter. And one of the things that you'll see is... There had not been a king anything like Josiah who sought the Lord his God with all of his heart and soul and might, nor was there any king after him like him. When you go back to this passage, look at verses 21 through 23. 
I believe at about this time, he's, he's quite young, but one of the things that he does, he's certainly a youth, we would say, he's in his youth. One of the things the text says is he discovered that the Passover had not been properly observed by God's people, not only for some time, but from the time of the judges. The Passover, remember? How they left Egypt by God's mighty hand and His outstretched arm. The blood on the doorpost. First Corinthians 5 and verse 7 says, Jesus is our Passover. You see, when good King Josiah heard news about the Passover not being observed properly and with the frequency that it was supposed to be and the manner it was supposed to be, he acted immediately because the whole purpose of the Passover was to look back on what God did in releasing them from Egyptian slavery, but to also anticipate the Messiah, Jesus, who would be the one whose blood causes God to deal with our sins. Fascinating. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Great lessons about young people, especially in obscure places in books like Kings and Chronicles. When you look at the opening verses of 2 Chronicles 34, here's what happens with Josiah. He's 20 years old. We know he became king when he was 8. In the 12th year of his reign, he's 20 years old, he went on a campaign against idolatry throughout the nation. You think that there was any feedback, that there was any backlash, there was any negative publicity that he might have gotten after all these years of idolatry to now do the will of God? But as a 20-year-old king concerning whom no one was quite like before him or after him, he began a reformation. He caused people to turn back to God for a while. How we need more people today of every age demographic who will speak and act in such a way to cause people to turn to God. Same chapter, 2 Chronicles 34. The high priest finds the law. You talk about something falling into disuse. It had been gone for so long when they found it, they didn't realize the gem, the gold, the treasure that they had. And when Josiah hears that the priest has found the book of God's law, it helps to begin a restoration of God's people. They didn't know how far they had wandered. 
Josiah was 26 years of age at this time, quite young. Turn to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1. Here's a fifth example of a young person in whom God demonstrates tremendous confidence. Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 1, notice verses 6 through 8. When you think about Jeremiah, if you know much about him at all, he's, he's known as the weeping prophet. He's the one who would see the Babylonians come and destroy Jerusalem and take people off into captivity. And it was going to be a really hard time. He's going to see the temple destroyed. He is, it's going to be a time of grief. And when you look at Jeremiah chapter 1, especially verses 6 through 8, one of the things he tells Jeremiah, and here's something kind of interesting. Jeremiah would serve as a prophet likely for 50 to 60 years and he would see an awful lot of heartbreak in 50 to 60 years, wouldn't he? When you look at Jeremiah 1, however, one of the first things God says to him, do not say you are young. You see it? And don't say that you're afraid because I will be with you and I will put my words into your mouth. Most Bible students believe that Jeremiah was likely a teenager, yet again another teen at this time. And if he was when God first called him to be a prophet... Imagine some of the things he might have had to endure from older people like some of us when he began to say, I want you to know that the end is coming and the temple is going to be destroyed. Go with me to the New Testament. Let's consider this example. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. The example would be that of Mary. What a wonderful young lady she must have been that God would have chosen her out of all the young ladies of Judaism to bear the Messiah, the Christ child, the King, our Lord Jesus. Here's something to think about. I don't recommend this, parents, and I don't recommend this young people. But in Jewish culture at that time, it was not unusual for Jewish girls to marry at age 14 or 15. And so what I am saying is Mary could have easily been 14 or 15 years old at this time. And it was part of Jewish culture that most Jewish girls married that time. So I would think it may well apply to Mary. Now stop and think about Mary's song in Luke 1, 46 through 56. 
It's called the Magnificat. And many of the young people know the song well. And occasionally we sing it here at Westside. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. In this one song of Mary that she gives after she's heard that she's going to give birth as a virgin... To the Son of God, there are no less than 33 references to the Old Testament. If she's 14 or 15 years old and knows the Old Testament like that, she's a pretty exceptional person, wouldn't you say? My point is this, God chose a young person to bring into this world the Son of God. Shouldn't we love young people as we see that God has worked in their lives marvelously through the years? Final example, because many could be given. Open your Bibles to 2 Timothy and look at chapter 1. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, we have this example, a young man by the name of Timothy. Let no man despise your youth, was said by Paul to Timothy initially, 1 Timothy 4.12. Timothy. And he speaks of the great faith that his grandmother and mother had, and the teaching that they had instilled in him also. Turn over to 1 Timothy 1, verse 5. The end of the charge, the reason I mention this is because of all of Paul's traveling uh, companions, of all of Paul's friends, of all the people that Paul seemed to be around. Nobody was closer to Paul than Timothy. The end of the charge is love out of a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. When Paul thought of someone who had a pure heart, a good conscience, and had sincere faith, Timothy was up at the top in his mind in that department. They seemed to first meet about Acts 16, maybe earlier in Acts 14. Paul and Timothy. But for well over 20 years... More like 25, it would seem. Because the last reference that we see to Timothy in Paul's writings is in 2 Timothy chapter 4, where Paul says, come soon, come before winter. I don't have anybody that, that thinks quite like you. I have no man like-minded who's truly able to minister for your state like Timothy can. Philippians 2 and verse 20. 
When you and I read books today like First and Second Timothy and Titus, they are words of an older preacher, an older Christian, Paul, to younger Christians about being faithful and holding on to Jesus and the gospel. I'd like to think that that's exactly what they did with Paul's encouragement. Now, there are scores and scores of examples, dozens and dozens of examples throughout Scripture of young people who God would use in His great plan, His scheme, as they yielded to Him and His will. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse, uh, 2 Kings rather, 5 and verse 2, there's a girl whose name is not even mentioned, but she happens to be the servant of Mrs. Naaman. It is this girl who tells Mrs. Naaman about the prophet, Elisha, who will eventually help Naaman so that he no longer has leprosy. I think of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. I think of the example of our dear Lord Himself, whose first recorded words are found in Luke 2.49. Do you not know I must be about my Father's business? And I say, we need to love young people. And we need to invest in them because the Lord has often used young people greatly through the decades, through the centuries. Let me draw to a close. He is my everything, He is my all. That song would have never been written were it not for the words of a nine-year-old little boy whose name we do not know who when asked the question, what does he mean to you? Why, he's my everything. What does he mean to you? Those words stuck in Bill Tyner's head until he wrote the song that's blessed so many lives for 60 years. What can we do with our young people to show that we value them? Number one, quickly listen. Love them and invest in them. Love them and invest in them. Young people matter to Jesus and they ought to matter to servants of Jesus today. Secondly, see their ability doesn't it just cause you to have great joy in your heart when you see the minds and hearts and skills of young people today? It's mind-boggling, isn't it? Oh, come on. They can remember things that you wish you could remember, amen, and they can do it easy. And they have energy. Love them, invest in them, Understand their ability, but third, when you look at young people, we can see them and see something of their ability, but we only see the tip of the iceberg concerning their potential. Isn't that right? 
How many of us, as we've gotten older, said, I never thought that they could have done that, but they did. It's amazing. We only see the tip of the iceberg of their potential, so we also keep in mind that what God can do in their lives over time can be absolutely astounding. Number four, encourage young people. Encourage young people. Many years ago, I was young. I remember being around a group of gospel preachers, and I was kind of distant, but I wanted to get a whole lot closer. I wanted to learn and grow, and I was hoping that some of them would take an interest in me. And I will always remember how it broke my heart that on the occasion that I'm thinking about now, none of them had any time for me. I remember saying to myself at that time that if I ever become one of those older preachers, I want to make sure that younger preachers know that there are older preachers that will find time for them. And will encourage them. And through the years, God placed a number of older, experienced preachers and teachers in my life. And I am so thankful He did. Young people, be thankful for the older people God puts in your life who will help you love God more and know His will better. Be thankful for them. But we need to make it a point, be deliberate and intentional about encouraging young people. Finally, number five, pray for young people. Pray for young people. I would not want to face many of the challenges our young people have to face today, would you? I do want to hold their hands up and encourage them and let them know I'm praying for you. That you'll love God and that you'll honor Him. That you'll obey His will when challenges come. We are the family of God, the church. Every soul is to be valued. Amen. Every soul is to be valued and counted precious, and we see each other through the eyes of Jesus. We're about to stand and sing our song of encouragement. It may be there's a younger person or one not quite so young anymore that needs to come to Jesus where there's grace and mercy to be found, where there is forgiveness to be experienced, and where there's new life that can give you hope and a spring in your step and great joy in your heart. You can have that in Jesus by responding to Him in love and faith, repentance, and obedience. Have you come to Him putting Jesus on in baptism, having your sins washed away? For those of us who are Christians, 
We may need to remember what Jesus did for us at the cross, and we may need to remember the investments made in us over the years by people who were older, who helped us along the way when we really needed some help. May God bless us as we walk together toward heaven. Let's stand and sing.